Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Well, hello Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James and my fellow camper Vince Scully is here for the campfire chat. We haven't had one in a while, have we Vince? We haven't. I'm really missing my marshmallows. I know. G'day Glenn. Hey Vince. Now, Vince, we've got a guest on the campfire chat today. Who's, Do we? Who's usually a guest on the, well usually a, a host even, and that is uh, Jonathan Pigeon. Oh, we're going to have some roast pigeon on our, on our campfire. It's a privilege. So, John doesn't Got the spit? Yeah, so he doesn't really listen to any of the podcast episodes, so he probably doesn't know Campfire Chat exists. So, John, what it is, is Vince and I just chew the fat. Mm. It And for those also listening who are new to the Campfire Chat, this is for your benefit, John, and their benefit. Thank you. This isn't... It's not for beginners, so we're not going to stop and explain what you know LVR means or an ETF. It's... Just us chewing the fat, intermediate, advanced level, wherever it goes. But if you are a beginner, you are welcome to listen. Everyone's but welcome to listen. Everyone's welcome to listen. But we're just chewing the fat over the campfire. And we're talking about today, do I pay down the mortgage or do I invest? All right. Well, this so, won't take long. <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, you say, to, you, say you, you should buy another property. Is that right, John? <laughs> so, it's probably for those who already have a mortgage or are about to get a mortgage. Do you think, I might go to Vince first, like, are there anything we need to do before we even start thinking about either scenario? Because in this day and age, option A is good, option B is good. So, we've got or good option options. B. Or options. So there's not necessarily a right or wrong. But I think there are a few base pieces of the puzzle you should have in place before you start. Emergency stash, steady income, spend less than you earn. Mm. Those three things are really the beginning of anything. Mm. Until you've got those three pieces in the puzzle in place, Mm. you probably shouldn't be thinking too much beyond that. And then you might want to think about preparing for the unexpected. So as well as your emergency stash, have you got the right insurances in place? Is your income protected? Once you've got those four pieces and you've got some spare cash, now it's time to think about what do I do with it? Mm. What are you doing with your clients, John, and even for your own life? Yeah, look, definitely agree with all that, Vince. Um, they're, they're, I'm assuming we're paying principal and interest on that we're not in own default. home. Yeah. And we're not, uh, <laughs> we haven't got any issues with that. And we're saving money, surplus to the principal and interest repayments. Mm. Uh, so, look, I, before we answer that question, I think it's a case of what are we after long, long term, 10, 15 years into the distance, and then getting some perspective on what it is that we want. Weirdly, do you think in this climate, if we're living in our home with a mortgage, we should be doing P&I? And I know there's no really shoulds, but like all my loans are on P&I because I need it to, well, if, if I've got money in my life, I spend it. So it's for me, it's a disciplined thing. So at least all my mortgages mm. are principal and interest. It's a lower interest rate as well. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the game changer. When... APRA changed the rules a few years ago mm. and interest only became more expensive than principal and interest. Mm. That changes some of this dynamic. Whereas but it didn't do its job with slowing down the house prices, did no, it? didn't do that. But I'd, I don't know if, if it was meant to do that to, to an extent. But 
we we've been used to interest only loans for investment for mm. well all my 18 years of my 22 years of investing and it just kept rolling over and people don't understand that now it's yeah. like well I never even questioned not paying interest only for my investments yeah. and it made you know obviously you don't want to be paying down tax deductible debt while you've got non-deductible mm. debt so it makes perfect sense but is it really worth paying 1% more a year um, do you think of selling anytime soon yeah in the next five years maybe you don't want to be paying extra to have interest only and this is where this campfire gets interesting isn't it because if we look into the, the distance we may w- want to upgrade our family home that we're paying down at the moment we may want to create more passive income streams or uh, other wealth creation methods that don't involve just our own home. So mm. if that's and, – and that's what I suppose I talk with my clients about is if if you do want to entertain any of those things, we may th- – there's an argument for staying cash heavy and, and just not necessarily paying the debt down but just having it in the offset available yeah. because once we pay it down, we've got to – put our hand up and ask for it back. That's right. But unless you're Glenn James, having it in the offset is economically the same thing yeah. as paying it down. <laughs> but um, Glenn's probably... I get a bit... He hasn't seen a white Lexus he doesn't want to buy. Well, but that's it. but it's a personality thing, isn't it? Mm. Like, and honestly, like, if somebody... And this is where I jokingly say, you know, if you stay out of consumer debt, you have good goals, good plans, whatever that is and you're living on less than you earn, you can't really, quote unquote, wreck it. Like if someone legitimately got their family home Mm -hmm. and they understand risk profiles and the spread over interest rate here and getting a higher interest rate there, like if someone's like, no, we actually want to pay down our home as soon as possible Mm. because we're going to be here forever and we just want to pay it off. Like do that. that, Yeah, and this is interesting because that's an opportunity cost that you might never see. Mm. Whereas when you actually go to borrow money, you see the cost. Mm. So the choices to whether I pay off my home loan or invest is against a a cost that I can actually see being the interest I pay every month mm. and the opportunity cost of what I might be able to do with the money. And sometimes it takes a mental leap to go from, oh, but if I pay it down, I can't get thrown out and mm. I'm saving mm. so payments. So when we say invest, mm. just for the listeners and for me, mm. you're meaning invest in anything yeah. or invest? Yeah, invest in something that will generate a posit- well, positive return. Because for me, like I'll put my flag on the hill, I just pay principal and interest and that's it. There is some money that accrues in the offset account mm. but – a big part of my journey the last 10 years was actually investing in businesses and my business. Yeah, and and that's why I asked that question was I think for me anyway, it depends on what I'm investing in as to whether I need that cash or I don't because if I'm going to buy another investment property, I would be inclined to use equity and keep the cash in my offset account. As in borrow 100% of the purchase and keep the cash. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, okay, yep. But if I'm going to put my money into some ETFs or individual stocks, then I would, me personally, would use cash for that. But you wouldn't, but in the same thing, that's an interesting risk profile, not computing, because you could borrow against that same asset to invest into an ETF portfolio. Correct. Yeah. So, so taking your money out of your offset account to use as effectively to, and then use, sort of taking that money and investing in ETFs compared to not taking that money but borrowing it from your home loan puts your balance sheet in exactly the same place to buy real estate. Mm-hmm. Your brain is doing what it does best in terms of your personal comfort, but mathematically it's exactly the same thing. Well, not not if you're using – if you're taking cash out of the offset to use as, as a po- deposit on your investment property, 
versus using equity from your home, then it, it it's not mathematically correct because no, no, sorry, the the so that wasn't the point I was making, um, and I obviously made it very badly. Mm. But your I think what you're saying is that if you're going to buy an investment property, you would fund a hundred percent of it by drawing down on your home loan. Yeah. And setting bo- up and a borrow- second mortgage and borrowing against the new property. Yes. So that you're a hundred percent debt funding the new one, and yet you're prepared to use your cash to buy shares. To buy shares. Yes. Rather than borrowing an equivalent amount of money, mm. which would be tax deductible to buy the shares. Yes. Balance sheet's unchanged, same amount of debt, same amount of assets. Correct. And yet your brain treats those differently. Uh, But that's because we all retreat to knowing what we know and the comfort of this is best, therefore less risk. Yeah, and and my exposure to that asset class is a lot lower (laughs) Um, and that's just a decision I've made is to use cash and the fact that it's not giving me a weekly income against that also plays on that. Well, it can technically give you an income. It just might be quarterly. Correct. But I this is an interesting... Well, you could probably structure it to be monthly. Yeah. And February's a tough month, but apart from that... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would probably on that, if you go down that emotional road, I reckon there could be a reason why you should cash flow equities and not borrow and do the whole debt recycling thing. You're giving me that look. <laughs> but, but, uh, this is just what I'm oh, thinking. Oh, Glenn. <laughs> because it's harder to get in and out of property mm-hmm. and it's not daily priced. So I would caution borrowing against your home to invest in shares if you don't have a very robust strategy because if the market chats itself and you get the heebie-jeebies mm. and you want to sell down that, like, it's just been this fruitless exercise. Mm. Yeah, it is. But if you're starting with, and this is why I gave you that look, mm. if you're starting with cash in your offset account, your decision is, do I take the cash and use it as equity to buy my new asset? Or do I take that cash, pay down my home loan, and redraw the same amount of money? Mm. My balance sheet's unchanged in that context. My yeah. cash flow is unchanged in that context. Yeah. But deductibility changes. But deductibility changes. Yeah, so I'm so by doing nothing other than a book entry, I've improved the outcome. Yep. And many people react like you do mm. and go, happy to borrow for real estate, not happy to buy shares. But this this is a a um a tax strategy rather than a borrowing strategy. You're not actually borrowing any more money. Your net debt remains exactly the same thing. Yeah. But our brains do treat those differently. Well, our brains like comfort. Yeah. Yeah. So another way to go about that, which I've seen happen, I wouldn't do it personally, but five grand's in a ING account over here. Mm. Don't want to put them offset. Because I don't want to take it back out of the offset, so I'll, I'll, I'll have this five grand kitty over here. That'll be my share trading account. Yep. And it's totally separate. So emotionally, I'm not taking from that. Yeah. And that emotions debt. are very important in these mm. things, and how we manage them. Um, some of the answer to that is education, mm. but some of it is just so innate yeah. that sometimes you just shouldn't go against uh, emotions. But this concept of separating the investment decision from the funding decision, I think, is quite important. Mm. That, um, and Glenn and I have talked about this a few times, and I know he disagrees with me. But the same com- argument can be made about buying your car. Um, yes, <laughs> that you shouldn't confuse the the purchase decision, which says buying a new car is probably a bad thing, mm. and buying an expensive one's probably even worse. worse. But once you've made the decision to buy it, how you fund it changes the analysis very little. Mm. And in your case, um, the decision to buy real estate or why buy that real estate 
should be largely independent from the funding. How am I going to fund that investment? Totally. And people get a bit hung up with this positive cash flow real estate, mm. which is largely a funding decision because all property is cash flow yeah. positive as long as you've got a tenant. It's just a question, well, is it generally more cash flow than it takes to service the debt that I've got? Yeah, it's related to funding when the banks say, this is how much you can lend, which means this is how much real estate I can buy. Yeah, but that doesn't really change. Once you've made the decision, it's not going to buy that property. Mm. The funding decision doesn't change that investment analysis. No, it shouldn't. <laughs> if you go one step further on the psychological road, road or whatever, road. road, if John did want to cash flow shares or someone else and not take that risk, the wash up is it's still better than not taking any action. Absolutely. So, and this is the whole thing, you know, when all you out or some of you out there is like, I can only buy ETFs where it's brokerage free or, you know, it's like, well, make a decision and pull the trigger. Like just pick a horse and lots of good horses. Yeah. Don't get caught up on... The, that's don't right. major on the miners. Yeah. I mean, that's a $500 a year decision. Yes. Whereas the decision to invest $50,000 is going to make a much bigger difference to your lifetime income. Whether you get deductibility on the $50,000 of interest is $500 a year. So yeah. let's not get too carried <clears throat> out so, you know, of the tax benefit. Mm. Saving tax is not going to change your life. It helps. Saving a lot of tax will. <sighs> so question... When John knocks his house over and rebuilds it and gets it revowed, mm-hmm. can we get him into a margin loan with some equities? <laughs> well, what he needs is a big sign in front of his house that tells him what today's price is. Yes. That I would concentrate them that on. Today. That would change a lot, wouldn't it? Because mm-hmm. that's half the fear. It is. Like, there's price fluctuations every single day for equity markets. And it's probably not <laughs> – the listeners that are tuning in are – probably well aware of this doesn't apply to them, but understanding how equity works, how, how pulling equity out of an asset actually works. And it's the, called borrowing, John. The risk involved in that. <laughs> um, it sounds much more innocuous than borrowing more money, Yeah, but that's what it is. Mm. Yeah, because it's, it's effectively the security there that is worth more than the current loan, mm. and then I can ratchet that loan up mm. to 80% and do what I want with it, quote-unquote. Yeah. So, have we decided that you can, or should we say, have we decided that we all agree that in our own position, we are investing and keeping our mortgage on principal and interest? Like, when wouldn't you do that? The, the, to me... The decision as to whether I pay down my home loan or invest. What would Dave Ramsey do? What would Dave? Oh, Dave, Dave wouldn't have a home loan. <laughs> Pays cash. Yeah. And he'd sack you if you got divorced or something. Yeah, it? that's um, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the decision is with an incremental dollar, mm. do I pay off my home loan? Do I invest? And if I invest, do I invest in shares of property? Mm. Or do I contribute to super? All of those three things will make your life better. And it's really a trade-off between opportunity and certainty and flexibility. Mm. And you can have any two of those. So mm. which two do you want? If you go the super route, you give up flexibility, you get better return and lower tax. Mm. If you pay off your home loan, you get certainty. Feel-good factor. Feel-good factor. Reasonable flexibility that you can probably bring it out again as long as you've got Income. you got income, but you're giving up the opportunity. And in most cases, super will give you the biggest lifetime bang for your buck. But to my mind, anyone under 40 with a big home loan probably shouldn't be sacrificing flexibility for that tax benefit. And investing will then give you the next biggest bang. But if you've got a very large mortgage and the payments are a big chunk of your income, you probably should be focusing on your income, your home loan first. But interestingly enough, if you had a decent income 
and you had the means to invest, you know, with your mortgage, there's got to be something that is said for buying a good property asset, getting a good depreciation schedule, because even saving 10 grand a year in tax does move the needle and you're investing along the way? Well, I always get very wary of letting the tax dog wag the investment or the tax tail wag yeah, the investment all, dog. I guess all I'm saying, and totally, I would totally agree. It's like, oh, should I buy some agriculture in Tasmania because I get 100% tax ah, right? old tree schemes. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um, just hope there's no frost or fire. <laughs> but um, no, I That's guess, probably better for you because yeah. you have the insurance payout. But I guess what I'm saying is like – if you do have an appetite, because it does go back to risk profile. It does. Like if you've got a risk profile that I've got my home loan, I would like to invest further. Well, I want to buy a property. Okay, well, I'll get one that's near new, for example, and pick up some delicious tax credits along the way. I don't know. Yeah. The, the only potential issue with that is I'm buying someone else's profit. So they've built it, they've bought mm. the land, they've built it, and now two years in they're selling it for a profit and I'm all my strategy is is basically capturing the tax benefits of mm. someone else's profit. That that would be my question mark around that. Yeah, but you've obviously said there's markets within markets and mm. if you found the right deal. Yeah. And it was, you know, even if you got an off the plan or something. Yeah, well that's a different strategy to buying someone else's finished mm. product, I I think. Mm. But I, I always come back to, and, and just staying on property for a minute, I just come back to pay down your bad debt, increase your cash flow, increase your assets, decrease your tax. The last one is less important than the first three hmm. um, because we know that just simply paying off your home and contributing normal amounts to super is not going to give us financial security. Unless we're oh, on, I would challenge that. I would challenge that. Unless we're on a large income, now yeah, challenge that. No, I, I mean, I, I would argue that if you if you're spending less than you earn, and you're looking after your super, that what? How do you define looking after? As it? in making sure it's invested in the right fund and the right investment options, and you're not paying too much for fees. Yeah, that the average person should get to retirement with the ability to replace about 60% of their pre-retirement income. And you couple that with a paid-off home and potentially some access to the age pension. Life's pretty good. Life's not bad. Mm. You're not going to be cruising the world on the Queen Mary. No. Um, but you know, if you got to retirement on your income, having raised kids and mm. sent them to school, and you paid off your home loan, 60% of your pre-retirement income tax-free. It's probably a grand a week. Yeah. And you own your house. Though? How much? 50 well, grand a year. well, if you could live on 50 grand a year while you were working, mm. you should be able to live on 40 grand a year. Yeah. Post-retirement. Should. Un I mean, unless you change your spending. Yeah. Yeah? Now, you might want to change your spending. You might want to travel the world. You might want to do whatever, in which case you might need more money in which case you need to set aside more of your lifetime income to do that or get a better return. Mm. I just thought of something very – one thing we haven't experienced in this society yet. So you and me both, and John to a point, we've had a lot of clients that have turned over 60, over 65 and retired from the workforce, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of those clients – and that's why I challenged the super thing because I've had clients, all they've done was – spend less than they earn, look after their money, contribute more to super each week and pump the mortgage. Yeah, but that, that, that's where that's different because I, I didn't say add more to super. I just said contribute the normalised yeah, well, that's amount. What, so my, the, the Life Sherpa benchmark on re, super, you know, the thing that we use to go, you're 30, are you on track, mm. is months paying your super. And if you take the normal track and don't take time out of the workforce and look after it, you should end up with a hundred or so months' pay in your super if all you did was your employer contributions, mm. Mm. and you started after it went to nine percent. And and this is what exactly. Yeah. So, so blokes like me, mm. who started ten years before super started at three percent, mm. 
doesn't quite work for us old blokes. Mm. And, and this is what I was going to get at. We've all done heaps of pre-retirement stuff and I've had clients in mum and dad land, they've paid off their home, had 600, 500 grand in super, then they were living off a grand a week while they were working after tax and they're retiring, still living off a grand, of week, uh, grand a week, tax-free. Hmm. Maybe a little bit of supplement from the... And then when they need a new car or holiday, just reach over, grab 10 yeah. grand out yeah. and it's happy days. But what we haven't experienced yet, just because of reality... We've had no millennials or Gen Z retire yet. So we haven't seen That's right. what the life aspirations are like. Yeah. We and haven't seen yeah. this mm. line in the sand where it's like, I'm working till 65, then I'm getting my age pension and I'm done. Like, I think a lot of us won't have this line in the sand mm. at age 60 or 65 to go tools down. Yeah. And that, that's a concern. I, I just think 50 grand a year is not enough to live off. Well, Generally it, speaking, it's what half the households in the country live on, and and that's why we're doing what we're doing to to make an impact that allows someone to have greater than that. Yeah, but to put put that in the context of retirement income, I mean, I'm all for spending less than you earn. Mm. I'm all for turning personal capital into financial capital, and you've got to turn enough of your cap- personal capital into financial capital yeah. before you're unable or unwilling to work. Right, we can all agree with that. Mm. The question is, how much of my income during those working years, however long they might be, whether you're planning on retiring at 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, I don't care, you still have to get to that point. And your desire to say, well, am I going to increase my spending when I stop working or am I not? If you're trying to build a model that says, I'm going to increase my spending. Sorry, that was my <laughs> coffee. Then absolutely you do need to. Yeah. Um, the advantage of investing, which I'm, again, a huge fan of, is that the more you can, the more return you can generate on the human capital you've turned into financial capital, the less of your human capital you have to forego spending till you retire. Mm. Do you think it's... Does that make any sense? I wasn't listening, but um, <laughs> I was just reading my text and it looks like the Melbourne event will go ahead as scheduled awesome. when everyone wants to come to a Melbourne show. Well done. Oh, are you talking uh, about the Melbourne Cup? No, the Melbourne <laughs> next My Millennial Money Podcast live show. Um, I think what I was getting at, Vince, this foundation thing, and I'm going to, I'm just thinking about this on the spot. You know, we talk about emergency fund, we talk about insurance, we're talking about you know, making sure we've got our goals sorted. You know, I reckon a a basic foundation for all of us at any income is this contentment of not needing to consume Mm. because that goes a long way to us saving money and not needing to buy stuff new that's just plastic from overseas. Mm. It goes a long way. I need to buy stuff new to make myself... So this is the guy who's just bought a boat in a Lexus. <laughs> it is, but Vince, it gives like, it allows him to say this because he doesn't. <laughs> no, but like seriously, I don't. There's stuff that I don't splurge on at all. Like I'm, you know, I bought an, a secondhand car, a secondhand boat. Like I've got old crappy furniture in parts of my house. Like I think it's yeah. Like, I'm, I'm be, not buying new clothes every I second. Be, I'm, week. A, I'm a reluctant shopper. Um, yeah. Yeah. When I get when I talk, I mean retail shopping. Yeah. Quite happy to splurge on it car, mm. but yeah, to take me, get me down to the, the mall to go and buy some yeah, yeah. clothes, but yeah. it's what, I, I'm what, a, what, it what a surgical strike. But the point that I think you're alluding to is, well, what is enough? Mm. And enough is not a number. It's not a dollar amount. It is driven by what you consume and what you spend. But it's also about purpose and it's also about joy. And that, and that's what I'm getting at. Like, I don't need to spend stuff to make myself feel good. Like, 10 years ago, I reckon when I was not medicated, <laughs> absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, so it is that... That comes with age, Joe. Possibly, yeah. But I mean... Maturity. As much as I get spendy and have some nice things, I can't tell you the last time I bought new clothes or anything like that. Like, I'm just not... It's understanding the consequences of what spending now does for future you. Yeah. Yeah. Like if if though every time you went to purchase something in front of you flashed up, well, 
this is what you could create if you went and sp- uh, spent it on income-producing assets, then be yeah. a different story. But I think I'll come back and go, well, w- without knowing what it is that you want to achieve, you don't know how much of today's income I need to set aside for tomorrow's No, but it would be fair to say that people judge that on the amount that they've got in their super, say, well, now I've woken up, I've gone through that family life stage cycle, my kids are grown up and out and now I'm 50 or 55, gee, I've only got 10 years till perceived retirement and I've got 200 grand in super. And I must admit, as a financial advisor, um, one of the saddest things is to have someone in their late 50s with next to nothing walk into your office Mm. and go, I want to retire. And you've got to go, well, actually you can't. No. Um, Hope you enjoy what you do. No, but for anyone listening that's under 40, yeah, you, you've got... Time Time will cure most things, mm. um, but obviously the longer you wait, mm. the harder you've got to pedal. There's only three things you can move when it comes to investing. It's how much you set aside, how long you've got, and what return you're going to generate. Mm. And you can only pick two of those. Mm. So, yeah, to your point about... Um, investing in the right things, that's about return. Mm. So if you're not prepared to look for the return, you've either got to wait longer or put more money in. Yeah. And picking the right investments allows you to put less money in or take less time. And yeah. That's, and that's where it allows you to spend more of your money while you're living or while you're working and still have the same level of success in retirement. So, so back to the original question... Oh, that's a bit unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> We've just put more wood on the fire. Crack out the marshmallows. You now. can do both. Yeah, these are not either ors. So we're we're paying down the mortgage. Whether we're adding more or not, we're recycling our, our debt into mm-hmm. income producing assets and letting time do its thing, mm. generally speaking. Yep. It, it doesn't get a hell of a lot more complicated than that, other than the asset type and yeah, the, and that's most that most that's about balance yeah, and, and aligning the individual the position. But also, it's about goals because how many people get their first home, go buy a second property or a first investment property, walk into the next street and next real estate agent, mm. buy the wrong piece of asset, mm. three years later sell it because they've decided they want to take leave from the workforce for whatever reason and. The wash-up is, well, it's actually cost you $30,000 mm. after stamp and agent's fees. Yeah. And the number of people we see who were talked into buying a, particularly a Queensland property mm. um, and find that over five years it's hardly gone up at all. In fact, the average, I think the median in Brisbane has gone up by about one and a bit percent a year for the last 18 years. Yeah, and it's just gone up 10 in the last six months. <laughs> Um, and um, it starts to limit their choices. Mm. And then you have a baby, you haven't saved for it, got to hit the, I've got to hit the sell button because mm. I can't afford to mm. meet the... But they, so, they so also you, so lose, I think they lose um, trust and confidence yep. in that particular asset type as well. Yeah. It, mm. It's like trying to play tennis and, and you get aced six times in a row. It's like, well, I'm not any good at this, so I'll try and yeah. play And you don't else. want to be throwing the baby out with the bathwater and mm. thinking that all properties are the same because that's just not yeah. true. Yeah. And any balanced portfolio needs to have some property mm. and the only question is how much and when. Mm. So in the Facebook group, I, I put it up any comments or thoughts on this campfire chat. Jay Sini says... Oh, he's a, an influencer, isn't he? Is he? I don't know. Let's have he's a got look. a YouTube channel. Has he? Jay-Z. No, no, Jay Sini. Yeah, he's got a YouTube channel. View main profile. Nope. Um, CEO at Greater Sydney Orchestra. Artist, filmmaker. No, oh, maybe that's a different Jay Sini. Artist, the Jay Sini band. But yeah, Jay Sini band, that's him. Yeah. Executive director anyway. at Backlist Productions. Yep, he's got a YouTube channel. Um... Is that him? Wealth Australia or something it's called. Yep, that's the man. Okay, well, Jay, we've just stalked your Facebook <laughs> profile. But Jay says... We, we love a good influence in the afternoon. Jay says, if we're talking strictly numbers, you should invest. Yes. 
Or put it in super. Yep. Yeah. Which is investing. Yep. So I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. No. But, but it's not about the numbers. Exactly. And this is where it's getting so, at. It's about goals. It's about do you vibe it? It's about your own comfort level. It's about your own education level. It's about the people in your freaking ear yeah. telling you, no, you shouldn't. You yeah. should just pay do down you, your house. Do you value certainty over opportunity? Mm. But, and, and does your decision change if at the moment we're paying 2% principal and interest on our own rock versus uh, 2009, I think I was paying 8%? Uh, it potentially would because investment returns have been much less, not volatile, that's not the word, but have varied by less than um, interest rates. So if you go back... So Vanguard High Growth Fund's done about 8% for the last 18 years. Um, and it hasn't really changed whether interest rates were 8 mm-hmm. in 2003 or 2 in yeah. 2021. So the relationship between interest rates and... Performance. Performance is isn't an influence on that decision. So when interest rates were eight, you're probably going to be better off paying down your home loan. And I think you're just emotionally more inclined to because you're seeing how much interest is going out each month. But the important point, though, is not so much the absolute level of interest rates but where the equity risk premium is, that today we have interest rates at sub one as an RBA rate, right? Mm. RBA rates below inflation. Mm. Um, the equity premium, so the, so the typical return you might expect for buying shares is probably, has come back a bit, but it's probably four or five. So there's a big spread between real interest rates and equity premium. Whereas back in 2003, when interest rates were seven, eight, um, the equity premium was six. Mm. So, so it actually made sense at the time yeah. to so, pay down your so, mortgage. Yeah. So now it's almost a no-brainer. Like you can fix for two and a bit. I'm actually thinking about um, fixing my home just for two years because mm-hmm. I'm not selling it. I'm not moving the debt. Yeah, I just fixed. I mean, I, I usually I would be like, Everything, and even in the bloody book that I wrote, I wrote all my loans are on variable because you can't beat the bank. Yep. And and that is also if yep. my plans might have been changing, but now I'm resolute with a couple of the properties that I'm not refining them, I'm not doing anything with them for at least two years. We'll stuff it. I'll lock that in. Yeah. So but I mean, rates are only doing one thing. They are, and they've just done it. Um, yeah. I mean, when I when I wrote my four years ago, yeah, which I won't mention the name. Um, I put, we'll put a, a link in the show notes. I put to a little. I, I put a little. A little graph in which compared fixed and variable rates. Mm. And back then, for the 20 odd, 30 odd years before that, mm. I, I plotted the variable, average variable rate that you would have paid over a period and the what you would have paid fixed for that period. Mm. And for about half the period, you'd be better off fixed and half you'd be better off variable. But when you were better off so when you were worse off fixed, you were worse off by a bigger margin than being worse off variable. Mm. So the piece of advice I'd always given people was stay variable unless you value the certainty, in which case be prepared to pay for it. Mm. But for the last three years, that's turned around Mm. and the banks have been using fixed rates as a competitive tool. And to hold on to the the loans, the debt, yeah. And avoid repricing their back book. And the RBA has been targeting the three-year bond rate. So the banks have been able to borrow three-year fixed money really cheaply, cheaper than they can buy, borrow variable money. So all of these stars have aligned and um, it's made two, three-year fixed rates really mm, Like under twos. So almost all of our new lending at LifeShop has been fixed for the last year and a bit. Mm. And for those thinking, like, again, like John, it's not all or nothing. If you've got a 600 grand mortgage, well, 
throw 400 on fixed and 200 variable with an offset like there's yeah, just just be careful you're not ending up with the worst of both worlds rather than the best of both yeah, worlds. That's right. and, but, and and i think that you know the the lazy brokers approach of going oh fix half of it um which is largely around making sure the client doesn't have to make another decision yeah. it's almost always the wrong answer mm. um that yeah, if you need the certainty, you should fix as much as you can and leave as little variable as you think you might pay off in the mm. period. If you value, but some of these fixed products are now letting you pay ten grand are. a year without. In fact, I, I, there's even there's one now that can allow you to make unlimited. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, and the actuaries know that people aren't paying them off, so whatever, it's yeah. a good marketing tool. Yeah. But you're not betting against the bank because no. the bank is matching its funding, so they're not trying to beat Glenn James by going, ha-ha, I get Glenn in on the fixed rate. and then mm. I'll. They're borrowing that money fixed. Mm. So if they're lending you three-year money, they're going out and borrowing three-year money. Mm. So do you think, so this is my, so when I called the bank the other day, because I called St. George and I'm like, make it cheaper, please, man. It's pity, pity you bank with CBO, isn't it? <laughs> haven't, you, haven't you got a broker to do that for you? <laughs> yeah, but I was in a mood. And I wanted to call and see if they would do it for me. And you got the script out of a book. Yeah, that's right. I read this finance book and it had me a script. No, I called them. And the only reason it was is because the broker had recently said, well, this is our, this is the cheapest price St. George can do. And I saw someone else's St. George loan that was cheaper than my one. And I called them and she gave me the spiel that it was because, I'm paraphrasing, but this new money is funded via a different mm. pool than your money, which is old money, funded against a back part of the book or something like that. Therefore, and I said, that's cute. As a consumer, I don't care. Yeah, just um, pull your money together. So, do you reckon that's legitimate how they were saying, because you've got an older mortgage, we've earmarked your mortgage to a, a legacy funding pool? I mean, it was it's it's potential that it could have been in a securitization securitized pool. Mm. So, George, we're a big user of securitization, but that is some time ago. Um, but it's largely <laughs> academic. Do you want to say something really weird? <laughs> it sounds really weird. They tried to call me because I use my private personal email um, for like the St. Georgie stuff, all my personal stuff. It's like my personal email address. Anyway, this lovely lady who tried to call me back to say they could magically make my rate cheaper, get this, went through my public My Millennial Money email. <laughs> She'd rattled you. They knew you were a Finfluencer. I don't know. Yeah. It was bizarre. It's yeah. like, because my team saw it in the team inbox. And I'm yeah. like, what the hell is bloody my private staff doing in the team inbox? So... Because, of course, you wouldn't use your influence to do that because you'd have to declare it. <laughs> exactly. And that's it. Like, I don't want to say, hi, hook me up, I run a big money don't podcast. You, don't you know who I am? Yeah, I never <laughs> want to be that person. It's like, you know, if you don't hook me up, I'll spam you to thousands and thousands of people. Like, I don't care for that. And that's why I use my personal mm. domain. So, it's just... With your, with your signature down the bottom. That's right. Don't yeah. you know who I am? I just thought yeah. it was weird, but I'll take the rate reduction. Yeah. So. I'm kind of a big deal in podcasting. So they came around because yeah, you're yeah. a big dog. I don't know. It was weird. Oh. But I'll take it. Um, yeah. But all that to say, yeah. you know, we're in low interest rate times. What's this go with um, the hyperinflation chatter that's out there? Is that has Robert Kiyosaki come back to Australia and said the world's ending? Oh, if Robert Kiyosaki says it must be true. Yeah. Um, like what is this hyperinflation thing? Is it a... Is it just a sexy word? I think hyper is stretch, gilding the lily a little bit or over-egging the pudding. Um, I think we are about to see a kick up in inflation. That's not altogether a bad thing. Um, yeah, a little bit of inflation is good. Makes the medicine go down? It does. Um, it reduces government debt. It's got a whole bunch of benefits. Gets you a pay rise. Um, but to say that a little bit is going to turn into hyperinflation. It's a bit rich. Is yeah. I mean, we don't. I don't do predictions. No. But yeah, if we see inflation above five or six, we got bigger trouble. I'd be really surprised. <laughs> There'd probably be a new government, I'd imagine. So, okay, on this inflation thing, and, and if you're a borrower, inflation's great. 
That's what I was going to say. Friend. On on this borrowing thing, interest rates are really low. Inflation's only going to go up, hopefully, a little bit. I'm thinking, well, this is a moment in time. If I've got the income, do I leverage up, baby, and help get inflation to help pay down this debt for yep. me? Like, that's kind of been my thing. Like, I may or may not be getting another property just to, um, you know, diversify again. But I... Yeah, well, I, I'm well, thinking... Well, when I had my first home loan, interest rates might have been 13%, but yeah. inflation was 17 <laughs> So, um... Was it 17 It was free money. <laughs> wow. It's big, isn't it? Are you a property investor, Vince? I have been. He lives in a house. What's Vince do with his money? Um... I'm a big uh, ETF investor. Really? Do you do that through your... Uh, I actually have a financial advisor. Do you have a family trust? Do or really? I do have a family trust. And do, does that hold your investments? It does. And that's mostly because um, I put it together when I was running a previous business. Mm. And as an empty nester, I do have an adult child, mm-hmm. Um which I thought at the time was a great idea. I could start saving tax. Mm. But actually, I think I prefer to pay the tax office 30% than to pay him 100%. <laughs> <laughs> kind of works out good that way, doesn't it? Mm. Um, mm. So you have a financial advisor looks across. So that's just purely to keep the emotion out of it for you? It's also, you know, they talk about the mechanic's car. You know, who, it's never the best car on the street. Mm. So I just go, I'm too busy running a business. Um my clients or our members at LifeShop are different to me. Mm. Um, so what's good for, yeah, Mr. Pastor's preservation age here and what's good for someone who's 28 buying their first home, those two don't line up. Mm. So I am I live and breathe millennial finance. Yeah. I, I, Vince is the oldest millennial. <laughs> <laughs> and, did, and did you Well, maybe if you chop me in half, I could make mm. two millennials. How, how did you shortlist your selection? Of advisor? Yeah. The number one driver of who's usually advisor is someone who looks after people like you. Almost everything else yeah. is academic until you get that one right. Yeah. And then the rest is simpatico. Mm. Like, is this someone that you can actually share your financial life with? Mm. I've got a financial advisor now. Have you? Yep. Uh, Sorry? Where'd you get him? How do you know it's a guy? You, you get that person. You patriarchal son of a bitch. Heteronormative. Slip of the tongue. Patriarchal. Um, I source them through my networks. Well, there's a website you can go on called sort, sort your money, money out. And you can com and you can click get, get a referral. Help. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just think it's important to always have this sense check outside of your situation. Like, I won't pull the trigger on a property without bouncing it off John. Mm. And he gets about one call a week with different ideas I've got. Oh, when you said you don't know about property, <laughs> I got three calls last week with three different <laughs> asset. Uh, <laughs> oh, that yeah. one at um, Swansea went for 850 100 over. Yeah. Or oh, 50. 50, yeah. yeah. I was looking at a big block up there, yeah. Mm. But that's just a sign of how hard it is to put a price on it. So well, anyone who get the price within five percent is doing really well. Yeah, well, I think we thought it was worth eight hundred, but mm. the market's fifty wherever you go. I think, and but that one at Caves Beach went before auction. Did it? Mm. One point so six or something. Yeah, could be. No, I assume you're not talking Margaret River here. No, not at all. But yeah, it's an important concept to take it out of your own ecosystem, isn't it? Mm. And just yeah, uh, just allow someone to come in with a different set of eyes. Mm. When, when, so I got a financial advisor, just like I got a personal trainer. We're not trainer. above it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I've got a mortgage broker. I've got an accountant. Mm. I've got a dentist. Believe it or not. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, so I. It's funny. Like, you don't have a barber. <laughs> well, I do actually. He <laughs> <laughs> do. I didn't during lockdown. Um, I had to do it myself. That was a pain. He's in the a ass. nice fella, Tony. Mm. Yeah, good barber. Out the door last week, weren't they? Yeah. How did, how did you go, Glenn? Oh. Pitch on them um, in lockdown. In lockdown, yeah, were we fine. not locked down? In the no, no, we were. We were. <laughs> well, I still went to my office, but I yeah, was the only one in it. You're allowed to you go to work if you can't work from home. Yeah, I couldn't work at home because yeah, I had three kids. Oh, yeah, I had to zip. Mm. Yeah, yeah, cost effective. Yeah, 
So I, I don't know, like, let's read some more comments before we have to go because John's got to go soon. Um, you did this to us the last time we had a chat. You had well, to disappear early. I got busy. Uh, You're obviously a busy very schedule. busy property influencer. No, no. Just family. Pimp my property. <laughs> <laughs> Eight, ten and twelves. <laughs> so th- there's a, an overarching thing in these Facebook comments mm-hmm. uh, about do both, which is sure. It's right. like that taco kid. Yeah, there's a lot of that, um, a few of those emoticons. So is most of that um, debt recycling, by, is that what they mean? Uh, they I just say did both. Could be. There's a one here. Half, half one way, half the other way. Michael yeah. Jasper says, depends if you want financial security or psychological security more. Yep, absolutely. Um, and to be honest, like when I buy my next home, it's hopefully going to be a longer term buy, like because I live in a townhouse at the moment. Like I would like. A well, you home. won't be able to go up the stairs soon. Exactly. Um, I put a level access to the shops. I'll, I'll put one of those lifts in it. Um, hopefully, it will be a longer term thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I because I am actually quite conservative. I don't know if I would. I guess I would probably do the strategies of it, but. I wouldn't mind going, all right, how long is it going to take me to pay this off? Mm-hmm. When I like like faster than so 30 years. Are you scared of debt? I don't like debt. Like if I could have no debt. That's because you shook Dave, Hamsey, Dave Ramsey's hand. I did. But let's be clear here. <laughs> he didn't get rich by staying out of debt. He got rich by telling people to stay out of debt. That's right. In let's... fact, he got very poor by being in debt. Exactly. So- I don't love debt. Um, but you love Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was fun. Um, Do you like debt? I can embrace it. Do you want to shove that microphone closer? <laughs> I, I can embrace it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't quite buy into the good debt, bad debt argument that everyone bandies around. I, noticed. Um, I don't either. I don't like it. I, uh, I look at red debt, amber debt, green debt. Any debt. debt. Red debt is the dangerous stuff, mm. and it's usually a, from spending more than you earn, and it's usually credit cards and personal mm. loans. Then I look at amber, which is caution, but not avoid. Mm. And that's, is that your car? Well, that's about spreading the cost of assets over the time you're going to own them, which is your home and your car. Mm. And then I look at green debt, which is about generating income, mm. which is hex and investment. Wait one way. Wait, 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 wait one sec. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Okay, we're back. You were going on about your three types of debt. No, we finished that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So help you help help is green debt. You happy with that? Yeah. Um, and they should be paid off in that order: red first, amber second. Mm. So I wouldn't encourage people to obsess about paying off their home loan. So would you stop someone from investing before they sort out their amber, or you're okay no, with amber and green? Good. Are you okay with red, amber, and green at the same time? Well, having them. Yeah. Obviously, you want to focus. If you're going to focus on debt elimination, you'd be focusing on the red first, mm. and that's the hardest stuff. But that red elimination elimination debt, that's generally you you become financially woke and go, oh, hang on, I'm overspending here, and this yep. is a problem because a lot of people attack the symptom, but the problem is you're overspending. That's right, and that's why red debt is the hardest to get rid of because, because it's a behavioural thing. It's behavioural, but it's also, well, that's probably why it's a problem, but mm. it's the behaviour, because you not only have to save the money to pay the loan off, but you've actually got to stop the overspending. Mm. So you've got to cut your income, cut your down. spending by twice. You've got to mm. double it. Change your life. Well, there's a book called Sorting Money Out and Get Invested with five steps to get out of debt. Oh, well, there you go. And the first step- Doesn't is, involve dominoes, does it? Nope. The first thing you do is you've got to- dis- You've got to stop eating that pizza. You've got to- actually decide you're ready to climb this mountain. Yeah. Like there's no point, imagine this, like, oh, we're going to 
climb Everest and you do all this planning. You need a Sherpa for that. Yeah, life Sherpa. <laughs> you get to base camp and then change your mind. Like, why did you bother doing all that prep That's if you're right. not going to go the whole way? Do Probably a bad story, analogy. Hmm? Yeah. Do you want to hear a story? Oh, story from Peach? Always. I was out shopping with my wife on Saturday morning, holding hands, and she said, I want to go in the bookstore. I said, let's go in the bookstore. Anyway, see this bloke. Straight to the travel section. <laughs> this bloke in the finance section looking for his own book. And, uh, it was the it was, first time in, I went to a shopping centre. You saw Scott Pape in, in, in the Central Coast. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first time I'd been to a shopping centre and everyone's like, have you seen your book in the wild yet? I'm like, no. And then I went in. It was in tears. And then <laughs> they're like, go to QVB. And I walk into the shop and it's like, this isn't QVB. It's some store that no one's heard of. Um, and I saw Pidge. You weren't picking them up and signing them, were no. you? <laughs> no, they weren't in there. <laughs> they weren't in there. <laughs> he was on hands and knees in tears. I was Couldn't crying. It. Well, you just need to go to Booktopia and, and use the affiliate code. Yeah. 25% um, off. Yeah. Yep. Or um, QBD in store. So, but I don't know. Like, let's read some of these other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean George, Glenn. Could you discuss if paying down your mortgage to reduce compounding interest is simply the inverse of a compounding in- investment? Yes. Yes, but, well, it's also got tax effectiveness, possibly. Uh, as someone with a mortgage, I should probably know. When interest is calculated daily, could you put the extra into reducing the mortgage outstrip getting into the market early? When interest is calculated, could you... Could putting the extra into reducing your mortgage outstrip getting into the market early? I don't know what that means. Oh, or, is the, or is it just the psychology of seeing our, the size of our new loan reduced that makes us feel better in the long run? So they're basically saying, well, I'll save 2% on one hand, but if I get into the market early enough, I can make 12% over here. Hmm. Yeah, And I think that daily comp, it doesn't compound daily, it's calculated daily. Mm. And I think that's the difference that it doesn't start compounding until it's actually credited at the end of the month. Um, but certainly when it comes to investing, yeah, investing early is better than investing late. Best time was <laughs> 900. Mm. Oh, what I wouldn't do to turn around and buy Bitcoin in 2013. A shitload of it. <laughs> Let's have a look here. What else? Oh, yeah. Stuart Garrett says, interesting comparison need to keep in mind after selling shares, there is capital gains tax that will need to be paid. Correct. Whilst if you're paying off extra P payments, you'll never uh, you'll never sell, won't have capital gains tax. I mean, if it's your house and you sell it, there'll be no CGT anyway. Correct. So but that, but th- whether you pay off your home loan or not doesn't affect the capital gain on your house. That's right. And even you're assuming that you are selling the shares when technically, and this is the whole thing, like I struggle and maybe it's just me, like why wouldn't you cap out super as your first port of call? Flexibility. But do you really need the flexibility? Well, if you're you're 28 and you've just borrowed seven times your income and you're about to have a kid and go on one income, I think flexibility is pretty good. You've got to stay cash heavy, don't you? Yeah. But I mean, if you're actually, I'm talking, not talking about cash heavy, I'm talking about actually investing for the long term, where I'm categorically living on less than I earn and investing the rest for the me of tomorrow. Yeah. Well, how if, old are you though? But if you're, sa- yes, if you're saving and the goal that you're saving for is post-retirement spending, as in post age 60, yes. 60 spending, then there is no doubt about it that Putting the money in super mm. up to the $27,000 cap will give you the maximum. It's 27 and a half, Vince. You oh, want to speak to your financial advisor <laughs> about that. You wouldn't get it. Um, no, but I, I guess- I round, what, I round to whole thousands. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I round up to 28,000. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is don't discount superannuation. If you have $1,000 left each month to quote unquote invest, I think it's a strong argument to look at allocating some of it. It is. Possibly if you've got your other goals in place. Yeah. I mean, I would generally discourage it if you don't own your home mm. and you're planning on owning a home at some point. Yes. Mm. Um, unless you could use it towards the, the first time super saves. Time super saves. Mm. Um, and if you're planning on having kids where your income might materially change, mm. the flexibility is probably better than the tax saving. 
Totally. But or you, you're planning on retiring before 60. Yeah. The whole bunch of reasons why, notwithstanding that super is mathematically the best answer over the long term, mm. it doesn't mean it's right for you. But then again, if you are cash flowing, because you cash flow your super, you don't borrow against your house to invest into super. No. Would you go to super number two, which I do, and do the investment bond? Potentially. Because you want to at least lock that for 10 years. Mm-hmm. You'd probably want to make sure your tax rate's well and truly over 30. But it comes back to what What am I saving for? Mm. Am I saving for, yeah, to start a business in a few years' time? Am I saving so I can take some time off to look after the kids? Am I saving to and this is retire problem, early? This is am the problem I, doing this podcast to thousands of people. There's no one answer to anything. And that's what keeps us in a, in business really like mm. because there there is no one size fits all but for any 20 something 30 somethings out there that are planning on having a family like what you just mentioned is uh so important when i am going to buy an investment property now or buy shares now or put more into my home now hang on a minute i'm going to have kids in 3 years time uh and i'll have no money for that and we're going to have to survive on one income mm. Now we've got a problem. Yeah, or I need a separate stash to cover the the no income period. Mm. There's many ways of skinning the cat. And, and that's, but you've got to know where you're trying to get to first. Yeah, and I suppose that's people's caution with contributing more to super mm. is that once it's gone, it's, it's a one-way one way track. It's a one-way gate. Mm. Yeah, totally. Anyway. I just John's got to go. But I, I just don't think people should discount it if they've got legitimate money. And I'm talking to those who are earning – Maybe over 200 grand a year. Like, don't get cute and try and get the best ETF outside of super and all that. I think there's an argument if you've got some serious income to cap that out. Yep. Mm. No, Even if you're earning enough to pay the Section 293 surcharge. What do you mean the surcharge? Well, if you earn over 200. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. You're paying 30% on your contributions. Yes, sorry. Um, Which is still less than. 47, 40, yeah. or 45. Even, yeah, whatever it is. I forgot they changed that. Yeah. So. Have you been speaking to your financial advisor? Because <laughs> <laughs> to me, my super fund's like a bank account. What, you you put it in, take it out. Yeah, Vince is over 60. Preservation. Well, he's not retired. No, so not, over 60 not over 60 oh, yet. Not over 60 yet. And I haven't retired. And he hasn't retired. Well. We probably need to go. I don't know if we've actually um, covered much ground, but we've covered <laughs> some ground. We've got a lot of ground. We might have ended up back where we started. Mm, as it okay. depends. Good chat. Uh, but I did do, enjoy the marshmallows. Mm, uh, if you are interested in looking at maybe investing in property or you don't know, if you want a, a clarity call with John, um, you can reach out, sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help. Scroll down, there's a button there and it'll take you to John's website. And if you just want to spend an hour on the phone with John, um, get some clarity for your situation. Third party, he doesn't care if you buy a house or not. Well. Or you just want more people investing in property. No, no, no. I'm uh, I'm a realist. Mm. Real estate. <laughs> um, yeah, love it. No, it's good fun. And, uh, but I think that's interesting you call it a clarity call mm-hmm. um, because it's pretty hard to get certainty, but getting clarity mm. is a great start. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think... And then the confidence that you made the right decision. Yeah, but I, I kind of wanted to call it a clarity call because it literally it p- can pull someone out of their echo chamber as a relationship mm. when they're bouncing off each other. Should yep. we buy this? Should we buy this? We don't know. We don't know. Or the echo chamber of... Mum and dad just want me to buy a home in the next street. Or mum and dad, Mm. it's like, well, let's just go to somebody who wants you to succeed Mm. and doesn't care which horse you back. Yep. John, it's just clarity. And it's like, oh, I'm not crazy or, oh, I am. Yeah. Well, it's surprising how many people reach out and say, well, I've literally got no one to talk to about this. Not, Not anyone. And, yeah. And probably one of the other big things Advisor does people is give you the confidence that you've made the right decision. Yeah, there's a lot of reinforcement there and we, we all go down the confirmation bias track a lot of the time too, don't we? Sometimes we need to mm-hmm. question a few things. Yeah. Anyway, well, we will um, leave it there. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
Vince Scully from Life Sherpa. Good to chat with you, Vince. Yeah, it's great to see you again, John. Yeah. And we'll uh, fire up this campfire another time. And bring the caro. <laughs> <laughs> We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.